Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 54 of Elves, Rings, and Nerdy Things. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sean, with my other co-host, Sam. Sam, how are you on a Wednesday evening? We are super behind on getting this episode out. We, there was a conspiracy this week. First of all, somebody scheduled Monday Night Football uh, for the Lions on Monday, and then we had Halloween on Tuesday, and so we had a variety of overlapping commitments, but we are here. I'm doing well. I'm sitting on a treasure trove of trick-or-treat candy that was not handed out because we had basically zero people trick-or-treating in our neighborhood and trying to figure out a way to get rid of it before I eat it all. How about you? I legit just had like seven pieces of candy, so that's <laughs> what's, my plan. What's your what's your candy preference? What are yeah, your favorites? Depends. Chocolate, I try to do Twix, 100 grand. Anything with wafers i'm not much in the like peanutty stuff so i hate snickers but yeah that's kind of where i'd like to go okay i'm a recent convert to 100 grand i think 100 grand is right now at the top of my candy bar hierarchy right aren't they good they are so good i think they're you don't like snickers but i i do like snickers but i think 100 grand are now better than snickers and gaining if not surpassing Twix, although Haley would disagree with that. She's a she's a Twix partisan. 100 gram with the chocolate, the caramel, the crunchy rice on top. The crunchy rice just makes it so great. Mm-hmm. Good, good job, whoever makes 100 gram bars. But this isn't a Halloween candy podcast. It is not. We are in the final extended edition Return of the King extended edition scenes new scenes topic that we're kind of covering at the moment we are going to talk about the first part of return of the king and the new scenes that were added not the extended scenes that include just a little bit more information but the brand new scenes to the film sam why don't you just jump off and explain the first scene to us all right, let's do it. The first scene is called a The Voice of Saruman. It takes place very early in the movie. This is the in the aftermath of Helm's Deep and the uh, destruction of Isengard. Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas Gimli, Theoden, and uh, Aylmer, and one other person from Rohan, plus the hobbits. There's a, basically all of the characters that we care about show up to Isengard and parlay with Saruman and uh, Saruman... Uh, kind of attempts to intimidate in turn Theoden, uh, Aragorn, and Gandalf trying to sow doubt about them and their abilities, insult them. The idea is to kind of improve his position. I think there's a little bit more detail in the book about his, his the, called the voice of Saruman is kind of one of his powers. The scene ultimately culminates in Saruman launching a fireball at Gandalf which Gandalf kind of survives. Gandalf then breaks his staff and the scene ends with Saruman's death, partially at the hands of Grimma Wormtongue, who also dies thanks to an arrow from Legolas. And then Saruman falls to his death and the Palantir rolls out of his robe. I think the just kind of the primary thing for me was just more kind of book material that was being adapted 
you don't really need to see a lot of the dialogue with them because it doesn't really pay off. And I think the big thing with Saruman is that they emphasize more his danger more so in the books. And so that didn't really come through, I don't think, in the way that the scene was formulated. So I understand why they cut it. What, what, what are your thoughts on this one? I wholeheartedly disagree. Oh, wow. Okay. I think this scene in particular, if you don't have it, Saruman just kind of goes off into the horizon with no kind of resolution. And this shows you that Saruman does in fact die. So that's my first point. Oh, okay. Otherwise you see two towers and his army's defeated. And the last scene you see of him is him kind of running back into his chambers as the ants are taking over Isengard. If we don't have this scene, it's such a loose end of Saruman just being in his tower and we don't know what happens. So that's my first point. My second point, there's one character in the entire trilogy that I think has the best character arc, and that's Theoden. This scene to me is entirely necessary in that arc because you have the first time we see him, he's being possessed. He makes the terrible decision to go to Helm's Deep. He barely survives, basically because Aragorn is a better leader than him. Many of his people die because of him. He has this scene where Saruman tells him he's a, a lesser son of greater sires. And that cuts him deep because he knows it to be true. And then you have this whole arc, and even in the Return of the King in the second half, where he redeems himself by mustering the Rohirrim, charging on uh, the armies of Sauron, even though he knows that there's no chance of victory and dying in the process. Like, to me, it's he has this perfect arc. He's the only character throughout the entire three that has this quality of an arc in the storytelling. And this scene gives me that development of showing him he's doubtful. Theoden is doubtful. When Saruman says these things to him, he kind of backs away. And then he kind of goes back to saying to Grima, like he doesn't talk to Saruman anymore. He's saying, Grima, be rid of him. So he kind of admits defeat to Saruman in this conversation. And then, yeah, I don't know. I personally, I think this is a great scene for those two reasons. You make fantastic points. I revise my position. I, in part, well, partially because I forgot that the theatrical release didn't have the death of Saruman. Yeah. Um, Right. And I was thinking, because what happened in the theatrical release is Pippin just sees the Palantir in the water and grabs it. And mm-hmm. we have no explanation for how, how it, got it got there. there. Yeah, okay. And then, yeah, you're absolutely right with the, the Theoden stuff. The, the lesser son of greater sires line. Isn't that one that's said somewhere else as well? Is it? Is it? Am I, I am think I, so. But this scene just has so many good lines. You have the... Well, I say that the even that idea is a callback to the the funeral for Theodred. Yeah. Where, where I think something similar is mentioned or just the idea of lineage and he goes to the halls of his father. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's also that line. I mean, there's some badass lines from Theoden where he's 
like talking at Saruman. He's like, we will have peace when you hang from uh, your gibbet for the sport of your own crows and things like that. Like, those are great lines. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. His line about we'll have peace when you answer for the burning of the Westfold. Mm -hmm. That is echoed later when I think, I think it's Gandalf who says, if the beacons are lit, you know, you must ride to Gondor's aid. And Mm -hmm. Theoden says, you know, where was Gondor when the Westfold Westfold fell? fell. Yeah. Yeah. Where Um, was Gondor when our enemies closed in around us? Yeah. And you can see that's kind of him. Yeah. His somewhat defeat with, in the conversation with Sauron is evident a little bit in that scene. And then in his conversation with Eowyn at the celebration, you can see it. He's kind of got him down. Mm -hmm. And then that, yeah, to me, like that whole sequence of him, because then there's the conversation when Aragorn rides off to find the King of the dead. And one of Theoden's like generals or lieutenants or whatever is saying to him, he leaves because there's no hope. And he goes, yep, you're right. But we'll meet them in battle nonetheless. And like, there's all of this, like, oh God. Yeah. Like we've accepted our fate. It's like them charging, screaming death as they're going into, into battle. Like, I don't know. I love Theoden is my favorite character in the Peter Jackson trilogy. He's just, He's so good. And Bernard Hill does an amazing job of playing him. It's a great performance. I mean, credit to J.R.R. Tolkien for writing a great character, though. I mean, that yeah. the performance really brings it alive, but all that stuff is there in the book. And then before we leave this scene, the last thing is, I would be remiss if I didn't bring it up, but then the story of Peter Jackson trying to tell Christopher Lee <laughs> what a man sounds like when he's stabbed in the back. <laughs> yeah. And then Christopher Lee says, Peter, I know the noise a man, man makes when he's stabbed in the back. And because Christopher Lee was in World War II, he was in like British Special Forces. Yeah, the OAS or whatever, the OB. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Has he stabbed a man in the back? Probably. Like, he's probably killed a fair number, or probably killed a fair number of people. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a great scene or a great story out of that scene is that's it's like when Aragorn kicks the helmet and breaks his foot, Vigo Mortensen. Oh yeah. Broke his toe. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's so many stories like that where when you watch the behind the scenes stuff that whenever you watch it now, you're like, Oh, that story, but that's a good one. Okay. So thank you for illuminating why that scene is necessary and wonderful. Why don't you go ahead and talk about the next new scene that's added? The next scene is the decline of Gondor. This is right after Gandalf and Pippin kind of arrive in Minas Tirith. They have their conversation with Denethor. And then Gandalf comes storming out of the main hall of Denethor and he's talking with Pippin. They walk past the white tree of Gondor and Gandalf kind of explains how uh, it used to flower and used to be this beautiful thing. But ever since the kings of Gondor have fallen out of rulership of Gondor, that the tree has stopped and that they always have like tower guards surrounding this tree, protecting it because there's faint hope that one day the tree will flower again. And the king of Gondor will return. Pippin and Gandalf walk to the edge where Gandalf begins or continues to talk about how 
splendid Gondor used to be. And then they look out and they can see Mordor and you see uh, black smoke pouring out of Mordor. Gandalf talks about how it's created by Sauron to help the armies of orcs because they can't be underneath the sunlight and things like that. So Sam, what do you think about that scene? I'd like I like the some of the history of Gondor. It gives a little depth to. I should, well, I'll say there are, we have the three remaining scenes, including this one that we're going to discuss, are all in Minas Tirith, especially kind of in and around the the tower and the palace. And what really comes through with me is the more time we spend there, it really comes home the inspiration. I think the inspiration for the set being kind of Byzantine Constantinople the romanesque the romanesque architecture you know we we talked about our trip to france recently and i was kind of thinking about this the other day after my rewatch is the extent to which tolkien was inspired by constantinople and the eastern roman empire in some of his ideas with the the fall of minas tirith and kind of comparing that to the fall of constantinople and you know historically the city fell but in the book the city is saved and actually going back to our discussion of Theoden, I think Theoden, a lot of people point to him being based on, was it Theodoric? who's was the king of the, I should know this as a Roman history guy. I think he was, he was the, the chieftain, the king of a Germanic tribe that the Romans settled and he formed an alliance and showed up to assist the Eastern Roman empire fight the Huns at the battle of the uh, Catalanian fields and he died in the battle, but he led his forces to, to victory kind of saving the day. And anyway, so, so this scene kind of really drove home to me. The, I like I like the architecture that you get with Minas Tirith. The history is interesting. I understand why they cut it, right? You don't, it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. add a lot to the drama of the movie. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? I echo everything you just said. I mean, for me, it's, you get more background on the tree and Denethor being a steward and what happened to the Kings. I just think you could have, they could have done a better job of giving us that information outside of this scene by developing a couple different scenes in the theatrical edition. You know what I mean? Well, they have, they do it really quickly when Gandalf and Pippin are walking into the throne room, right? Or Pippin's like, uh, Denethor is not a king, he's a steward, so don't mention anything about Aragorn, and don't mention anything about Boromir, and actually don't say anything at all. So you kind of get a little bit of this very rushed history, or like, you you get the the ultimate takeaway, which is he's not a king, he's a steward, but you don't get any of the actual history. It's kind of delivered a little bit more comedically. Yeah. I don't know. I would just would have liked, because I didn't think the scene was entirely necessary, but I think some of the content was necessary from the scene. And yes, they do talk about that a little bit, but it's such a brush over that I don't think it gives the same weight as this content from the no. scene gives. And I, if they could have found other opportunities to talk about some of the material that's covered in the scene, I would have been a little bit happier. But yeah, yeah I agree. I understand why they cut it. All right. Well, the next scene is called The Wizard's Pupil. This is an exchange between Denethor and Faramir. Denethor chides Faramir for letting the ring go instead of bringing it back to the city to be kept safe and only used in the most extreme circumstances. Faramir takes that opportunity to mention how he wouldn't have done that and 
when presented with the uh, assertion that Boromir was a more loyal son and would have done this, he says, you know, Faramir wouldn't have, Faramir would have Boromir. taken the ring for him, oh, excuse me, Boromir would have taken the ring for himself and you wouldn't even have recognized him. And that kind of pisses Denethor off. Denethor yells at him, calls him a wizard's pupil, which is meant to be an insult, uh, and then has a vision of Boromir uh, kind of coming and smiling at him. And then he kind of forces Faramir to leave his presence. This is another one of those that I thought was pretty necessary. It shows Denethor. The actor does a really good job at the beginning of this one coming off crazy. Absolutely. Like the fact that he, and even before he has the vision of Boromir, he like yells and then stumbles. Yeah. It stumbles down and it really, it, it demonstrates he's not only. He's manic. Uh, he's, he's manic. He's doddering you really get the sense of his, like his decline in addition to just the city's decline. And yeah. it sets, it sets up the climax of his story a little bit more thoroughly kind of fleshes it out. And I know that we're, we don't, we don't need to get into a discussion of Denethor in the book versus Denethor in the movie, but as in the movie, I think this scene really would have helped. Yeah. Question for you. Yeah. Wizard's pupil. We don't get, we don't get a bunch of back. We don't get any backstory as to why that is an insult. Or what even what's it even referencing? Yeah, and I don't. We've talked about this on the podcast before yeah. in terms of Faramir and his character development in the books versus the movies. In the books, they do a much better job of painting Faramir out to be this ranger who also is interested in knowledge. In particular, whenever Gandalf is like in Minas Tirith, he kind of learns from Gandalf. And this comment, I don't know if it's as much a insult or Denethor just really trying to drive the point home of you're more loyal to a wizard than you are to me and Gondor. Yeah, I don't know. Like the relationship between Faramir and Boromir, I thought this scene would have done a really good job of pushing that. A little bit more and we got some of those in the two towers of right after the battle to retake Osgiliath. but this one yeah it really shows how denethor is out of it and never really knew boromir and how faramir was kind of like clued into all this stuff where he's like yeah. you really thought highly of boromir but you barely knew him he would have yeah. taken the ring he would have like claimed Gondor for his own and all of this stuff. And then Faramir even says in this scene, even if Gondor were falling, I wouldn't have used the ring to save her. And it shows his character. Like mm -hmm. I'm not going to use this evil power because well, who knows what it would do to us. And I mean, and that's immediately, and that is, he says that in reaction to Denethor saying, the ring should have been brought here and kept safe unless, you know, in the uttermost need. And in that moment, you know, Denethor is obviously hinting at what he would do if, if the city was going to fall. And I think Faramir sees that maybe Denethor, I think actually this comes in the, in the next scene that we're going to talk about Boromir and Denethor were a lot alike. And so he knows that Boromir also would have felt the same way. And he knows his brother and he knows his father. And so it, it's not that hard to, to make a leap. 
the going back to the wizards people thing that that as an as an insult or just a, a, a phrase it could have been i wonder if it would have been helped by having faramir talk about gandalf at some point maybe in the two towers when he's talking to frodo and sam and can mention gandalf or something of like that and how oh you know he he studied with him i've talked with gandalf you know before several times over the years or something like that so it it does make it lands a little bit more coherently with with faramir's backstory or even more powerful if gandalf references faramir like yeah which which he does in the book which i really which i like yeah so if we had a scene earlier on before they even before they even introduced faramir and it would have had to have been in like the fellowship of the ring where he's talking to uh i don't know the fellowship and like Boromir's going off to do something, maybe Gandalf could have referenced like the path that he's trying to take and Faramir. I don't know, but you could I think it could, it could have been a conversation between Gandalf and Boromir, which that would it would have been probably mm-hmm. completely invented for the movie. And if Boromir or Gandalf could have said something positive about Faramir and whatnot, and you maybe even could have gotten a little hint at the difference in character between Boromir and Faramir. But yeah, somewhat somewhat of a missed missed opportunity there but a good scene especially in what and how it highlights the reality of what denethor has become right on last scene it is called peregrine of the tower guard this scene we have pippin sitting on a bench right before he goes in and swears his oath to denethor faramir comes up and they have a nice little conversation about what can a hobbit do. Then they talk about the armor that Pippin is wearing. And apparently it was Faramir's from when he was a child. And then what does Pippin say? He jokes about it being a little uh, too tight. I'm bigger than than you were, but I'm not going to get any bigger unless it goes sideways or something unless like that. Unless it goes that. sideways, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I, this scene for me... I was initially initially going to say that it should have been cut and I'm glad it was cut, but it's a great moment where you have Faramir showing his kindness to a hobbit. And then you can juxtapose that with Denethor just being an ass to Pippin and kind of using him as like a servant. And there's a huge difference between how Faramir interacts and shows Pippin respect versus how Denethor interacts with Pippin. And I think this scene does a really good job of painting that. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And it's only like a minute and a half long. It's Yeah, it's a minute and a half. It's very short. It does. I understand why they cut it. It, you know, it, it doesn't really do a ton. And then I think they've, of these three, I think, you know, probably Voice of Sauron and to my mind, Wizard's Pupil are probably the, the ones that merited inclusion the most. This one's probably at the bottom of the list because especially the characterization of Faramir and, and Denethor, I think, was probably more effectively communicated in the Wizard's Pupil than this one so if you had to you know decide between the two i understand how this one got to the cutting floor and then it was probably just a matter of time and they're like listen this movie people are going to care about the battle scenes 
Sam and Frodo destroying the ring. We don't need to flesh out characters who like, you know, we don't see, we don't see a lot of Faramir after the halfway point in the movie and, you know, and Denethor dies and, you know, it's really the battles, the battle scenes about, you know, kind of Gandalf rallying the city and then the Rohirrim showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. The voice of Saruman, I think was the, the miss scene. And I still, I'll go to bat for Theoden anytime that he's the best character arc in the entire trilogy. Theoden's great. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I said it before, maybe on the podcast, but I'll watch the ride of the Rohirrim on a regular basis just to enjoy it. It's gets me every time. Yeah. Just that line where he was like, we will meet them nonetheless. And the way he says it and delivers it, I'm like, oh yeah, man, I'd yeah. ride into battle. Even I think Aomer has a line too. He's like, you know, riders of Rohan, oaths you have taken. You know, so I was just like the kind of the rally. Fulfill them all for Lord yeah. and Lamb. There you go. Yeah. Carl yeah. Urban doing it. All right. Well, before we have start gushing too much about the Rohirrim, mm-hmm. that's it for our discussion of part one of the extended edition Return of the King. I think the second. Uh, the second part has several more scenes, so that'll be a longer episode. But you will get that, listener, next week. You can follow us on Facebook, Elves, Rings, and Nerdy Things. You can catch us on a Facebook group, Elf Thing, Elves, Rings, and Nerdy Things podcast group. We have new episodes every Wednesday. You can email us at elvesringsnerdythings at gmail.com. And I believe that is everything. Bye, everybody. Until next week. All right. Bye, everybody.